Today, I have a returning guest from several years back, and she's here for many reasons, one being that she is going to be a contributor to my charity patient safety anthology book titled Highway to Heart, Humor and Honesty in Healthcare. She is Sheila Bruni. Sheila Bruni, she is a RN with over 45 years of experience in healthcare. She is a former Director of Service Excellence, Quality Director, and Studer Initiative Champion. She worked in quality improvement, risk management, and served as a patient advocate. Sheila was certified in healthcare quality and case management, and she completed her Master of Science degree in Health Services Administration from the University of St. Francis in Illinois. She is a regular presenter at healthcare conferences, speaking to the patient experience, family involvement, and in healthcare, and is passionate about enhancing communication and relationship building. And there will be more information on Sheila at our website as far as her background and her history. But today, she has been so kind to agree to share her wisdom with us, not only for our radio show, but for our book. So I'm really excited and thrilled to be sharing her once again with you. So welcome back, Sheila. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm happy to have you here as well. We spoke several years ago, and I still think about you and and your work, so I'm happy to revisit and bring you back. And, you know, Sheila, I love your simple yet your powerful belief. You say, I believe we must get to the point in healthcare where we are caring for the person behind the patient, and we are not there yet. So I am looking forward for you to tell us more about that. You know, I'm driving down the road the other day and I see this big billboard for a health system and it said, we see you as a person, not a patient. And I thought, I just want to call you and say, how do you do that? How do you do it? Because you you have to have a mechanism to get there. And uh, I would love to know what the mechanism, we can all say it, you know, words are <laughs> words are cheap, but everyone has to have a way that they are getting there to delivering care to the heart of the patient, not their disease, but the heart and soul of the patient. And that's where we've got to get. And I think that patient stories, however you get them, are the ideal way to do that. Yes, I agree, because you are just the knee surgery in room 1612 or something. You're really not a person to anyone, and you are being treated as the disease. And you said that. You said Patch Adams said it best. You treat a disease, you win, you lose. You treat a person, I guarantee you, you'll win no matter what the outcome. That is the truth. That is the truth. You know, I write stories now for hospice patients. And so these are patients that are maybe days, weeks, or months from the end of life. And it means as much to that patient as the person who's having hip surgery or knee surgery. Their story is as powerful no matter what stage of life they're at. And this works for children. It seems to me that we've got to get to a place where we really, truly dig down deep and find out what is this person about before we set on a a course of care for them. Mm So that sign you saw, that billboard you saw, obviously the proper thoughts are in place, as you say. There's just not a mechanism. There's no plan or way to do that. But you may have one, Sheila, because you have, or at least the beginnings of one, because you have that living history program that you've been working on for years, which which I think is just amazing. So why don't you tell us a bit about that and how that might be able to help inject a little bit more of seeing behind the patient and maybe some more heart and, and honesty within healthcare? 
probably the, the best way to explain this is, is talking about how I got to this point. And I always tell people that the program was built on remorse and regret because I would read my patients, and they were patients, not people. I would read, read my patients' obituaries in the local newspaper, and maybe I'd taken care of them for six months or for two years as a case manager. And it seemed that I was always discovering a detail in their obituary that I wished I had known about them while they were alive. And that's the remorse and regret part of it. And I started asking other caregivers, social workers, who I always felt like knew the patients better than I did. And I'd say, do you ever read their obituaries and think, I wish I'd known that about them? And they said, all the time. And the more I asked, the more I got the same answer. And so we said, how do we get that kind of a story about a person that we're caring for? How do we get that story so that we can use it in the healthcare setting. And that's where the living history was born. I created it in a weekend. I sat down and said, what questions would you ask? How would you write the story? And what would be the benefits of, of that story? And then it just evolved from that. My original theory was to use people in the hospital that generally aren't with the patient, giving direct patient care. And so we tapped into people from all over the hospital. We used housekeepers who get to know patients, by the way, better than anyone. And we used people from the library or from Central Supply. One of my favorite story writer was a lady who said, all day long, all I do is dial the phone and ask people if they had any intention of ever paying anything on their hospital bill. She said, my job has no job satisfaction whatsoever. But she said once a week, Sheila Bruni calls me and says, do you want to write a story on a patient? And I skip out of my office, go upstairs, meet someone who becomes my new best friend, and I write their living history. And she said, you've enhanced my job so much, you gave me a reason to come to work. So that was my original model, and that worked really well while I was directing it. But it required a lot of direction. So I got to the point I had 50 story writers, and we were putting out 40 stories a week. And we got to the point that we had a lot of stories written on some of our patients that came back to us. And so all we had to do was bring the story back to life again. And we taught people how to use the story, how to read it, and remember things from it, the key points, and how to use those points in having meaningful conversations with patients. We taught them about the importance of connectivity and looking for a way that you connect with someone, that you actually have something in common with them. And I can honestly tell you, every person that I sit down with, if I ask enough questions, I will find something that I have in common with that person. So that is how the program began. Now the model has changed over the years, and now we look for volunteers, and we're using the new volunteers in our hospitals and nursing homes to do these stories. And that's an excellent model as well. But what we do is they are trained to sit down with the patient. They're trained in how they're going to ask the questions, how they're going to dig a little deeper, how they're going to encourage the patient to stay on task. And we teach them all those skills that they need to be really, really good listeners. Then we create a story from the template that they have used. We give the story back to the patient for proofreading. We make sure absolutely everything is correct before we do a final copy, and then we hand it to them as if we were handing over a box of chocolate. <laughs> we always hand it over with two hands and with a smile on our face and say, here is your story, and we script this, 
it was my pleasure to write this story for you or to write a story about your life. Mm-hmm. And then I say we just sit back and let the magic happen. We provide one to the healthcare team so that they can they can read the story and make those connections. We give extras to the patient for their family and it increases satisfaction for all those people. Nurses and caregivers love reading the stories and having that inside information about the person they're caring for. Families love the stories mm-hmm. and say things like, I can't believe mom told you all this. <laughs> or they would say things about dad told you things about mom that he never told us. <laughs> so it's always fun. And the families are always very gracious about the stories. They love them. And then the patient, somehow the patients always seem to give back to us more than we've given to mm-hmm. them because they'll say things like, I never thought my life mattered, but then I read my story and I realized I've made a difference wow. in this world. Wow. And so that's the Living History Program in a quick, brief nutshell. I'll tell you what, this is just brilliant because it's not expensive. It doesn't hurt. I mean, there's just no downs. There's no downside to you this. You nailed it. Oh my gosh, that's so funny because when I have patients who, who waffle a little bit, because they do, they'll kind of go, what's this all about? And nobody's ever done this for them. And I'll say, listen, this is the only thing you'll ever get in the hospital that doesn't hurt, and doesn't cost money. <laughs> and then they'll say, okay, I'm in. <laughs> you know, as you're speaking this, I'm thinking of a very weak attempt at this during one of my mom's emergency room visits. Now, get this. I mean, we are in an emergency room in a very, very uh, fragile situation where some gal came in with a computer monitor and began asking these very random questions like, what excites you? What are you passionate about? What are your goals for this hospital stay? And like just asking questions, I guess, to try to get a feel to know who this patient was. But then as she was typing the answers into the computer, she was like, uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously not even, not even interested in it. And my mom and I sat there getting more agitated by the moment. You know, what three things do you really like to do in your spare time? Uh, well, one of them is not being in here with you. So, you know, it was just, I would imagine that the whole timing and the setup and the professionalism of, of your oh, yeah. program just makes a world of difference. So, uh, bravo yeah, to little you. little things like we teach the story writers when you come into the room, you know, you smile, you shake hands, and then you say, would it be okay if I sit down? And then you sit down and you say, now I'm going to be writing. So if I don't look up, but I want to remember to look up at you. So sometimes you might have to remind me of that, but I've got a lot of things I want to write. Mm-hmm. But we teach them how to look up occasionally and smile at the patient and nod and lean in and do all of that. Actually, I teach them just a little bit of neuro-linguistic programming mm-hmm. and so how to, how to make that connection instantaneously. You know, how do you find that one thing in the room that you say, oh my gosh, look at that. How many, I see a picture from a grandchild. How many do you have? Mm-hmm. And so just things like that. We do a lot of training with our story writers to make sure they're well prepared before they go to the bedside. Excellent. That's a fun story that you told me. <laughs> that is really fun because you can just see how 
Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. Just <laughs> typing away. Didn't look at my mom. My mom is in extreme pain. I'm sitting there agitated to the ends of the earth and back. And, you know, she's just asking these ridiculous questions in the in the emergency room. So yeah. we need the Living History program by Sheila Bruni. We really do. So, I mean, it's obvious, though, that, that these stories then change the staff's perception, their compassion for the person. We're talking about having heart within healthcare. What a simple way to do that and humanize the person. They become somebody different and important, and then they're treated differently and better. Absolutely. I, I maintain that once you know something about them, the way you touch them changes, and it changes in, in such a, a, a deep, important way. Now, you had a real-life story with your dad, though, a healthcare situation that kind of precipitated a lot of communication failures where you learned firsthand that communication is key, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's where I spent a lot of time standing in front of large groups and, and telling my dad's story. And so many people who have a bad outcome do. You take it and you say there has to be some good that comes from this. And for me, a nurse actually said to me, maybe there's a reason this happened to your dad. She said, you don't seem like someone who's going to keep your mouth closed about this. And I said, oh, absolutely not, because it was medical mistake and and failure to rescue that led to my father's death. And she said, maybe that's why this happened to you. She said, maybe you will make sure that this doesn't happen to anyone else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you bet. <laughs> I'm on. And and that became my goal. And I have, I've, I've gotten so many, so many people have given me feedback from that and said, you saved my dad's life. And, or I've gotten letters where they said, my mom was in trouble and I remembered what you said. And you said, just take someone by the arm and say to them, you must listen to me. This is not the way my mother normally acts. Let me tell you how she is. Something's very, very wrong. And that was what I couldn't get people to to pay attention to me. I would say, dad's in pain. And I, I looked at the nurse and I said, okay, my dad's a farmer. I said, farmers hit their thumb with a hammer three times a day and they shake it off and go on. And I said, when my dad tells you this hurts worse than anything has in his whole life, then this is big. This is important. This has to be paid attention to. And she kind of flipped me off. Oh. She, she was like, yeah, well, whatever. We're doing, we're doing the best we can here. And so I learned so much from that. I learned that I, that I should have said, okay, get me someone else. Yes. I, I should have been more aggressive and more assertive, but the nurse is right. It happened to us for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we have saved lives with our stories. So that's been very important to me over the years. And I know my dad looks down from heaven mm-hmm. and says, Go get them, girl. You go get them. Absolutely. I think that's why you and I really bonded immediately when we met a couple years ago at the Barrel Institute, the Patient Experience Conference. You started telling me and I started telling you and we realized oh we were we were uh, like uh, kindred spirits where bad things yes. happened to our parents and we thought we're not we're not sitting for this. I mean, this was not in my wheelhouse. Patient safety was not anything I knew, but just like you, it was like, okay, we, we've got to do something about this. And it happened for a reason. So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And you know, I, I suffered a lot with that because I said to myself, I'm, I'm a nurse and I couldn't even save my own dad, but 
finally someone said to me one day, you weren't a nurse that day. You were a daughter. Mm-hmm. And that's a very important, that, that's a very important thing to remember. You must remember that too. You were a daughter. There's a whole different, a different set of, of rules that go along with that. You know, we were nurturing and loving and caring and comforting. I patted my dad's hand when he said, I think I'm going to die. And I said, oh, dad, no. I said, but I do think you're going to go back to surgery, but we're not going to let you die. And then later I was like, I should have listened. If he'd been my patient, I would have ran screaming down the hallway saying, my patient says he's going to die. I believe him. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was a daughter that day. Yes, I was a daughter the day my mom said the same thing to me. So it's very, very difficult and interesting. And, and I'm sure it makes you, made you a better nurse when oh, you boy. have, well, yeah, when you have that personal experience, then, then you understand what others are going through. Recently, I had a physician say to me, I was advocating for my patient. And I said, I'm so sorry, but I'm this way. And he said, never apologize for advocating for your patient. Never. I was like, oh my gosh, where'd you come from? Who is this? (laughs) That was so refreshing. A physician said that. Never apologize for advocating for your patient. I love that. Question. So what can we do better, both as patients, family members, and providers to come together as teammates? Because it still often feels like you versus me, them versus us. What can we do to bring that together to say we're all on the same team? Why is there this struggle? Boy, that's the $64,000 <laughs> question. Well, number one, absolutely never, ever give up on communication. Because when you drill down and nurses call them root cause analysis or the quality director or the risk manager says, we're going to do a root cause analysis I bet you when you dig and dig and dig, you're finally going to get to the point that you say it's all about communication. And so we must never, ever give up on driving it home that you cannot over-communicate. You know, no one gets up in the morning and says, gee, I think I'll go to work and, and do something irresponsible and maybe my patient will live and maybe they won't. Nobody does that. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets up and says, I'm going to go to work and do my very, very best, but there's always there's always a process that gets in the way and it's flawed and you got to figure out what are your flawed processes and and attack those mm-hmm. but i absolutely continue to believe in the power of people they we're all in this for a really really good reason and we want to make a difference in the lives of the people that we care for and so we have to just keep talking about it. Now, as far as getting to the point that we're treating patients as people, if without a living history story or something of that same genre, without having that, you as every person as a caregiver has to dig a little deeper with the patient. They have to say to them, so do you have children? How many do you have? Or I love this opening, and you kind of touched on it. So what do you like to do when you're not here being sick? Because I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. And you have to remember, almost every person that you encounter in a healthcare setting had other plans that day. Mm-hmm. They were going to do something else. Mm-hmm. They didn't plan on being in the hospital. Most of them, unless they have elective surgery, they didn't plan on being there. And so you have to remember, they've been greatly inconvenient. So where would they like to be? instead of with you. But find out something about them and remember that and use that. 
It's so important to just find out some of the big details of their life. It matters if they have no children or they have 10 children or they have three children, but that gives you something to talk about. Mm -hmm. So that's a really tough question, but those are the things that I believe we need to do. Well, I think your Living History program is just a beautiful start to that. Where can folks go to learn more about you and how can they contact you? My website is a um, website in progress, but it's livinghistoryprogram.com. My contact information is call me on my cell phone. I'll answer no matter what. My number is 319-470-5242. Okay, so the website is livinghistoryprogram.com. Your phone number is 319-470-5242 and... We are speaking with Sheila Bruni, B-R-U-N-E. Sheila, we could talk for a long, long time. We've got lots of good things to say. Maybe we'll have to do this again sometime. But any final words before we head out? Oh, boy. Just keep believing in the power of people to take really, really good care of people. And we've got to keep the heart in healthcare. That's for sure. Oh, you're the best. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I so appreciate you. You're so welcome. Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com.